whether you live to be 100 years old or much less than that, there's going to be a time in your life when you look in the mirror and you think, does my life count for anything? Did I make a difference while I was on this earth? Because one way or the other, we're all headed out, right? This is a temporary assignment, this thing called life. And one way or the other, we're leaving it eventually. And every human that's ever walked the face of the earth has asked the question, does my life count? You may look like you've got it all together on the outside. You may just be going through life and everything's working great. But there's that time when you're alone, when you're looking into the mirror that you think, am I making a difference? Is my life counting for something? And you wonder. Today I'm in the last week of a three-part series called Changed. I've been talking about how you can live a changed life, how you can have a changed perspective. And today I want to talk about something that all of us should think about and all of us should care about, and that is our legacy. This series has been based on the book of Philemon, which is really not a book, it's a letter sent from one Christ follower to another. And there's a lot of great stuff in there about a changed life. Just a quick review. This letter was written by Paul to Philemon about a runaway slave named Onesimus. And somehow Onesimus had run away from his master and he had made it to the ancient city of Rome where he met up with the apostle Paul. And Paul convinces him that following Jesus Christ is the way to go. And Paul writes a letter and hands it to Philemon and says, Take this back to your master and let him know how your life has changed. You know, Paul took a chance on this guy named Onesimus. He invested in this guy named Onesimus. In fact, he invested in him maybe when nobody else would. And Onesimus became part of Paul's legacy. Everybody wonders What am I going to leave behind when I'm no longer here? Just like the old guy you saw in the clip looked at his wife and said, tell me I've been a good man. Tell me I've led a good life because everybody wants to know. A group of researchers gathered a bunch of people together who were 95 years old and up. And they had a question. They said, if you had life to do all over again, what would you do differently? If you could start all over and you could just do this thing from start to finish again, what would you do differently? And they came back with three prominent answers. One answer was, if we could live life over again, we would reflect more. We would slow down and enjoy our days, enjoy the sunsets and conversations. We would take in the special moments. We wouldn't live life so fast and feverishly. Another thing we would do, if we had it to do all over again, we would take more chances. We would risk more. We would live life as if it were an adventure where you can't pick the fruit unless you're out on a limb somewhere. One man said, if you ain't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. And the third thing they said was, if we had life to live all over again, we would invest ourselves in something that would live on even after were gone. They wanted to leave a legacy. And why is it that you have to get, that a human being has to get to 95 years old, having lived all of their lives and say, you know, I wish, 
I wish I would have invested myself. I wish I would have enjoyed life more. I wish I would have taken more chances. Why is it that people wait? And I've heard people say this. Why do you wait until the kids are grown up and gone and out of the house and say, gosh, I wish I would have spent more time with them. I wish I would have worked a little less and spent a little more time with my family. When those of us that are less than 95 should say, let's do that now. So when we're there, if we get there, we don't have to look back with a mile of regret saying, oh, I just wish I would have done it differently. Nobody gets. Notice that some of the answers they gave. None of the answers were, I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have made the company just a few more dollars If I only could have had a longer work week, I wish I would have done. Nobody does that. Because when that's all you're concerned about, you don't leave a legacy. It's wise to listen to people who have walked the road before us. And when they look back on the road they walked, they said, I wish I would have invested in something that would make a difference. This letter to Philemon about Onesimus from Paul was Paul's investment in another human being and Paul urging Philemon to invest in another human being. It was his legacy. Philemon 1 verse 17 says, So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would me. If he's wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. Paul was willing to invest in this guy that maybe nobody else would invest in. He shows up in town, and he's a runaway slave, and he's done something he shouldn't have done. And Paul said, it doesn't matter. You don't know Christ yet. I believe in you. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you made mistakes. But now you're different. You've been forgiven. And I can just see him looking at Onesimus, handing him the letter and saying, man, I believe in you. You can live a different kind of life. You've changed. Your perspective has changed. And Paul probably didn't even realize when he was handing him the letter what, the, what his legacy would be through this one man named Onesimus. And investing in, in others like Paul did Onesimus can change your life, it can change their life, and it can change your legacy. Paul had it figured out. I don't know how old he was for sure when he wrote this letter, but he had it figured out. He was definitely less than 95 years old. And he had it figured out that he wasn't going to get to 95 and say, I wish I would have invested in something that would live on after I'm gone. He knew what it meant to have a legacy. He knew what it meant to invest in something that matters. How many of you wish you could go back in time and invest a little bit of money in this little tiny company called Microsoft? Who would love to do that? Oh, come on. I just wish I could go back like four years and invest in Google. Google wasn't even a word five years ago. And now everybody knows what Google is. And there's a lot of millionaires because they made a wise investment. Don't you wish you could go back and say, okay, I want Google. Got to invest in Google. God wants us to invest our lives in something that matters. Corey Ten Boom says it like this. Every experience God gives us, every person he puts into our lives is the perfect preparation for the future only he can see. You don't know the results of investing in something that will last. Paul didn't know what the results were going to be from his investment 
into Onesimus. When you decide to work less and be with family more, you don't know what the results of that are going to be. But God can take the sacrifice that you make to do that, and he can do a wonderful work with it. He can help your legacy live on after you're gone. Everybody wants to leave a legacy. And if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to leave a legacy, there's a couple things that I have to remember. And the first one is what Paul just has been doing with Onesimus. That is invest in people, invest in others, step outside of myself, invest in other people. At LifePoint, we call that one life at a time. Invest in one life at a time. Because if you catch on to this, if you grab hold of this one life at a time, the world will be a different place. I promise. If you find something and someone to invest in that will live on after you're gone, the world will be a different place because you're in it. That's biblical. One life at a time. Your kids will be different. Your friends will be different. People you don't even know that you invest in It will make a difference. And you might be thinking, I would love to make more of an investment in people. I would love to make more of an investment in my family. I would love to do that so I don't live life with so many regrets. Who wouldn't? But I just don't have the time. I work too much. I've got too many other things to do, and I just can't seem to fit it all in. Do this when you go home today. Make two columns. I want you to pay for two columns. On one side... Write down all the things you do that take up your time, that makes you say, I wish I had the time, that takes away, you add them all up. Then evaluate those. What eternal, lasting significance do they have? What eternal, lasting significance does working so many hours that you can't even connect with friends and family, what difference is that going to make? And then look in the mirror and say, is it worth it? All this stuff, all this stuff that I've written down here that I spend my time doing, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Now, what if I spent that time, what if I reoriented my priorities and I spent that time investing in other people, investing in my family, investing in my friends, investing in relationships? What if I did that instead of what I'm doing with my time now that keeps me stressed out overworked and overtired what if i just did something totally radical and just said that's it i'm drawing a line i'm not doing it anymore i know some of you that have done that that have said line in the sand no more i'm finished and those of you that have made the decision to make an investment in other people could get up here and say it's worth every minute of it especially those of you that have chosen to invest your life in kids You know the feeling, those of you that work with little ones, you know the feeling when you see them come to know who Jesus Christ is? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Doesn't that feel great? And the feeling when you see them have a problem or a conflict and work through that because of your influence in their life? And if we could parade all the young people in here who've given their lives to Christ or close to giving their lives to Christ or have worked through issues because of your influence in their life, would you say, Gosh, it wasn't worth a minute of it. No, you would say it was worth every hour I had to stay up late getting stuff ready. It was worth every bit of stress that it caused because those kids, those people are my legacy. So whoever you've invested in, and when you see those results, 
That's your legacy. And you don't even know what the world is going to be like because you took the time to invest in a person, to invest in a child, to invest in relationships. I found this quote you've probably seen. I saw it on a teacher's wall one day. I looked it up. It's, it's anonymous, but it says this. A hundred years from now, it won't matter what car I drove, what kind of house I lived in, how much I had in my bank account, nor what my clothes looked like. But the world might be a better place because I made a difference in the life of a child. That could also say because I made a difference in the life of another person. So when you make that investment, you don't know what it's going to be like. When everybody invested in Google and Microsoft, they didn't know they were going to be millionaires. You don't know what's going to happen when you make that investment in a person. But I promise that God can take that and leave a legacy from you to the world. So when you're 95 years old, you don't have to say, oh, I wish I would have invested in something that made a difference. Those of you that have influence over other people, those of you that have influence over little kids, my children, who the oldest has given her heart to Christ because of the influence some of you had over her, that's your legacy. And everything that happens from here on out in their lives is going to be because you sacrificed and you said, I'm going to make a difference. Listen to what Paul said to a church in the first century. In 1 Thessalonians Chapter 1, he says, We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying what you're doing, church, what you're doing, folks, is making a difference. By investing in other people, by investing in relationships. Over and over, the Bible talks about the value of investing in the lives of of others, Because when you do that, it puts you in the perfect position to leave a legacy. Just like Paul left a legacy through Onesimus. A legacy that pointed to Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Who are you helping up? Who's helping you up? You need other people to do life with. That's why we talk so much about get in a community group, get involved in a ministry, get involved in relationships, because life just works better with relationships when you have other people there to help. In the Old Testament, Joshua was trained by Moses. And Moses invested in him. Moses believed in him. And one day Joshua took all the troops out to battle. And God said, Moses, if you stand on the hill while Joshua's in battle down in the valley, as long as your hands are up, as long as they're up in the air, he will win. But as soon as your hands start to fall, he'll lose. And that's what happened. Joshua was down fighting the Amalekites and Moses' hands were up in the air and they were winning. They were beating the Amalekites. They were just slaughtering them. And then Moses got tired and his arms began to fall down. And as they began to fall down, Joshua began and his army began to get defeated. And then Aaron and Ur came up and they held up Moses' arms so he could hold them up and they could win the battle. Who's holding up your arms? Whose arms are you holding up? 
Whose life are you making a difference in? Because not only do I need to invest in others, I need to have people in my life to hold me up. If you're a follower of Christ, you're here because somebody invested in you. Somebody saw value in you, value in your relationship, and they invested in you. They spent time with you, they talked to you, and they led you into a relationship with Christ. Take a minute and just think about the person or people that did that for you. When I think back on my life, there's three men who had this impact on my life that I know I wouldn't be standing here today if it were not for them. One of them, probably the person that has had more spiritual influence on me than anybody else, his name is Earl, Earl Williams. And Earl is a guy I met soon after I became a Christian. And Earl is the closest, the most Christ-like person I've ever met on the face of the earth. He will say anything. He's not afraid to confront. And every time I call him, Earl will say, well, I know you're doing okay because nobody calls me unless they want to be challenged. I mean, Earl is, someday I wish he could come and speak to this church. He is an amazing man. The only problem is he needs more than 30 minutes for you to kind of get him. So so we'll have to figure something else out. But he's an amazing man. He had a huge impact on my life. I wanted to bring him here today. I wanted to go to the expense to bring him here and let him talk to you so you could see, wow, what an amazing guy. And he had a huge impact on my life and still does to this day. Another person, his name is Stuart Kaiser. And Stuart was the guy that helped ministry happen to me. I mean, I didn't like seek it out. He was the one that told me, this is what you're going to do. And I just came in and he said, you need to be in ministry. This is what you should do. And just matter of fact, and he encouraged me as I was a college student. He invested in me. He took time out with me and he made a difference in my life. The third person was the pastor of the church where I first went when I became a Christ follower. His name is Jeff Stevenson. And for a long time, we kept in contact and he really made a difference in my life. And it's been two or three years since I talked to him. So last week, as I was preparing for this message, I sent him an email and here's what I said. Jeff, the reason I thought of you today was because my message this weekend is on leaving a legacy. And I wanted to say that all that God has allowed me to accomplish and all the people who've been touched can be traced back to a young college guy sitting in your church with a notebook, writing down everything you said. You have a legacy, and it's touching people in Raleigh, North Carolina. In leadership, I know sometimes we look up and wonder, am I really making a difference? You don't have to wonder that. You kept me going at my new faith when I was ready to head back out into the world. I would show up on a Sunday, and you would say something that kept me going one more week. That was 18 years ago. Man, do you feel old? I do. I just turned 40 which means you're 50. (laughs) Love, Donnie. And yesterday, I got this email back. He says, Dear Donnie, thanks for your kind comments about my influence on your life. Your note made me cry, and I hurried home to show it to my wife. Even old guys like me, yeah, I'm 50 now, need encouragement, and yours was timely. You need to know that when I think of bright spots in my ministry, you're at the top. I'm very proud of you. Not surprised your church is doing well. Keep your family first, Jeff. Trust me, I was not a candidate for ministry. I mean, these guys had a lot of work to do. They had a lot of cleanup to do, a lot of clean out, a lot of like, that's not a word we use in church. You get you okay? And I was like, okay, got that. It won't say that anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> won't happen again. And, and so they pulled me aside and say, you know, this is just really not the best thing for a Christ follower to do. I'd say, got it. Just let me write that down. Don't, you know. 
Make sure, I just was not a candidate. You would have said, oh my gosh, you know, three, it took, it took only three, you know, probably should have took, took, taken 30 people to, to make a difference in that guy's life. But these guys invested in me and made a difference and their legacy lives on right here, right here. And Paul believed in Onesimus when it probably didn't make sense to do so. He was the apostle Paul. I mean, for the Apostle Paul, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the book in the New Testament, he sat down with a lowly runaway slave and he shared Christ with him. But Paul didn't see it that way. He saw it as an opportunity to invest in someone. If I'm going to leave a legacy, I also need to believe in people. The greatest example of believing in people is looking at the ministry of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus believed in people nobody else would have chosen. He believed in cussing fishermen. He believed in prostitutes. He believed in hated tax collectors. And he says, you all can make a difference in the world. You can change the world. You can leave a legacy. He said, I believe in you. And he believes in you. In the book Velvet Elvis, Rob Bell says this. I've been told I need to believe in Jesus, which is a good thing. But what I'm learning is that Jesus believes in me. I've been told I need to have faith in God, which is a good thing. But I'm learning more that God has faith in me. Jesus Christ invested in people, and he believed in people, and he believes in you. And if you've never had anybody else in your life pull you aside, look you in the eye, and say, I believe in you, a man named Jesus Christ who lived 2,000 years ago does. He believes you can do it. He believes that you can live a life so you don't have to have regret at 95 and look back and say, I wish I would have. I wish I could have. The question you need to ask yourself today, who am I investing in? How am I preparing my legacy? Philemon chapter 1 verse 10 says, My plea is that you show kindness to Onesimus. I think of him as my own son because he became a believer as a result of my ministry here in prison. He had this affinity for Onesimus because he became a believer under Paul's ministry. And every one of you that I see give their lives to Christ, whether you're older than me, younger than me, it doesn't matter. I feel this responsibility, this connection that these people became a Christ follower when I was a leader of a ministry. And I believe in you. And I believe you can make a difference. And I believe you can leave a legacy. That's why you hear me talk a lot about changing one life at a time. One life at a time. If you want to make a difference, if you want to have a legacy, change one life at a time. So whatever happened to Onesimus? There's no book that says, here's Onesimus and here's what happened. But we can speculate. When scholars look back and they put pieces of the puzzle together, they take this historical document and that one and they kind of put it together and they can kind of figure out what happened. So here's what happened to Onesimus. He goes back to his master. He gives him the letter and the Bible says nothing else about him. But when you look at other historical documents from the first century, we find this letter by a man named Ignatius. And Ignatius wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus. 
And what's significant about this church in Ephesus was it was like a mega church. It was a big deal. Mega impact, had huge impact, probably the biggest impacting church in the world at that time. So Ignatius writes this letter to this church in Ephesus, and he talked about their leader. He talked about the person who was leading their church, their pastor of this most influential church. The town of Ephesus was a bad place. They had this temple, the temple of Diana, and Diana was the sex goddess. So what they did when they went to the temple was had sex, all kinds of perverted sex acts going on in this temple to worship this goddess named Diana. And this church in Ephesus put a stop to it. They influenced people. They got involved in people's lives and they brought them out of this perverted lifestyle, shared Christ with them, and the church grew even all the more. And they had a tremendous impact. Lives were being changed every day by this church in Ephesus. And Ignatius mentions the guy who was the leader or pastor of that church. And guess what his name was? Onesimus. That's not a real common name in the first century. So it's very likely that this same person that was handed this letter about Paul and said, go back to your master and show him that you used to be one way, but now you're another. This person could have and probably did become the leader of the most influential church in the first century. In this letter, Ignatius says something that sounds a lot like the letter to Philemon. He says, your leader, your pastor used to be useless but now he's useful. He used to be useless, but now look what he's done. Look at the leadership and Paul's legacy was living on. So how did this book, this letter that doesn't really match all the other letters in the New Testament, it doesn't really kind of go with everything else. It's just a letter. There's no big doctrinal stuff in there. There's no instructional things in there. It's just simply a personal letter from one Christ follower to another. How did that end up in Scripture? Onesimus, I think, was involved in that too because all of Paul's writings were assembled at this largest church in Ephesus. And everything he wrote just made its way back to Ephesus. So this letter would have made it back. And can't you just see Onesimus saying, look, this has got to get in. You know, If, the, if these things are ever assembled, you've got to put my story in there. Because I used to be this slave. I used to be this runaway person that ran for my problems. I faced them. I changed my perspective. And now look at the legacy that the Apostle Paul has left because I've been changed. You can leave that kind of legacy in the world. The question you should ask yourself is, who is my Paul? Who's the person that's investing in me? Do you not have anybody? Find somebody. If you don't have anybody to invest in you, come and talk to me. We'll find somebody because, or I'll do it because you're worth it every minute. And if you're not investing in somebody else, if you don't have an Onesimus, find one. And you'll live life with a lot less regret when you leave a legacy.